Well, here we go once again with another AEW Dynamite review. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. How are you doing today? It's Thursday. It is March 23rd. And we are talking, as I said, today about AEW Dynamite. This is what we do on Thursdays here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Like and subscribe. <laughs> but for real, do it. It's not just like, a, it's not a motto. Just, you know, it's something that does indeed help grow the channel on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, because we're talking about AEW Dynamite there as well, and audio feeds, well, five-star reviews, five-star ratings, all that stuff helps. Hope you join up. Hope you hang around. Because look, you know, there's the Mr. Warren Hayes show on a regular basis. I've got a great show, a special Mr. Warren Hayes show coming up tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the Thursday, tomorrow, Friday. I have Joel Lanza of the Flagship Podcast joining me. We're going to be talking about this so-called Jericho Vortex. This thing where people uh, seem to believe where that Chris Jericho uh, sucks people into feuds and they always come out of it, you know, worse off than when they got in. Well, we'll have to... We're, we're examining that. It's a fun little exercise and I hope you guys and gals and non-binary pals hang around to... To watch that. So yeah, subscriptions and joining and all that stuff and showing some love, I appreciate it a great deal. I don't have much meta to talk about today. Like there's there's nothing really going around the environment of AEW that I don't that I feel like I specifically have to address it here, like on the review, maybe on the Mr. Warren Hayes show itself. But as it stands right now, I think we're gonna leave it as is. And we're gonna just going to dump, dump, jump. We're not going to dump anything. I'm going to dump some opinions on you. But we're going to jump right in to uh, the March 22nd edition of AEW Dynamite uh, that uh, came to us uh, from Independence, Missouri, from the Cable Dahmer Arena. Is it? This has always been a thing to me. I don't know if, how many of you are old enough to remember Peter Jennings, the anchor person for the ABC Nightly News for years. Another great Canadian who found tremendous success, who was adopted by, um, by Americans. My mother would watch the ABC Nightly News. She had no time for Tom Brokaw. Uh... I, she, for some reason, she didn't, Dan Rather didn't appeal to her. So we watched um, uh, Peter Jennings. And I'm getting, to, I'm getting somewhere with this, trust me. Peter Jennings introduced me to the idea that there is a second way, a se another way to pronounce Missouri, as in Missouri. He would, if he'd do reports from that particular state, the show me state, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he would, uh, he'd call it Missouri. And my mom and I would, bo would both be very puzzled as to why he'd do that. And I mean, you know, this is decades ago before the internet found, you know, popped its way into our world where you could just like types up, uh, type up some things and get some information. And, and from what I understand, like there's no really, uh, from what I understand, there is no concrete proper way to say Missouri or to, to, to name the state. You can say Missouri or Missouri. 
But apparently, like the oldest way to pronounce it is Missouri, and this would probably be due to the heavy, the, the, the heavy French influence in, 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 the, in the state, where they would pronounce it in a French way, because obviously, you know, the, the, originally the, 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 the term is, is Native American, right? I think it means something like uh, um, those with big canoes or big boats or something like that. Something to that effect. And I'm not making this up. It might sound like a bit, but it's not a bit. And and, and um, the uh, is it, so from what I understand, then is the French, the heavy the heavy French influence around there would refer to the area as you know using a French pronunciation, which would probably be like Missouri or Missouri. Because of the, you know, there's an I at the end and the I's at the end of French words are like double E's in English. So, and, and apparently the transition to like a Missouri would have to do with how language was taught centuries ago, like a couple of centuries back where, it, you know, uh, it would be it would be taught as Missouri for a while, and then it's sort of just by natural language would turn into Missouri. You know, Missouri, 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 Missouri. See, this is what happens when there's no meta around AW to start things off. I get sidetracked, and we start talking about you know the proper pronunciation of states. But I'm gonna stick with Missouri. Because I think it's the one that, you know, uh, it, I, I think that's the pronunciation that makes the most sense. Like when you see the word, right? When you see, you know, like when you actually see it written out. If that's okay. If I am offending anyone from Missouri right now, please let me know in the comments. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, get me down the proper path. I am nothing if not a professional. And I want to get this shit right. I want to be able to pronounce things correctly. You know? Gone are the days of calling him Takashita. <laughs> it's Takesha. It's Takeshita. It's not Shinsuke. It's Shinsuke. It's not Asuka, right? Kurt Angle. It's Asuka. All right, here we go. Let's get right into the show. The show actually opens with, uh, with an angle straight off the bat. Again, not something we see very often. Shows the bucks being carted off on stretchers into uh, into ambulances or an ambulance. Adam Page is there. There's a lot of confusion. There's chaos. They've been attacked backstage. We don't know by whom. Uh, 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 Brandon Cutler seems to say that it's the BCC who did this. Was that a supposition? Was that just like guess guesswork? We don't know at this point. Anyway, Adam Page is there, Kenny Omega is there, Don Callis. It's, a, it's chaos and confusion. Callis is ho holding Kenny back because Kenny is like, I want to go with my boys. These are my best friends. But Don Callis is like, brother, you got a match tonight. You know, he's holding him back. So Page jumps into one of the ambulances. You have one of the EMTs who goes, you come in? And Page sort of looks around and says, like, yeah, okay, I'll go. And he drives off with the, bu with the bucks. 
So of course, this opens up the line of uh, uh, this incredible line of thinking, right? Uh, who attacked the Bucks? I mean, it could be the, the 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 BCC at this point, right? You know, there's a lot of people who are like, why would Brandon Cutler lie? Well, maybe he... It's not necessarily lying. Maybe he could just be like, you know, it's his... Uh, uh, Maybe it's it's his go-to, you know, maybe he didn't quite see, maybe he saw guys in hoodies. We don't know. Like, this can develop. But right now, the BCC does indeed feel like the most logical uh, perpetrators to this because, of course, uh, it fits their MO right now, their heels. They're feuding with the elite. Or at least, you know, with, you know, they're not quite done with hang, Hangman. There's still some, you know, there's bad blood still simmering there. We're building towards something. So, look, the BCC right now is on a rampage. They're being, they're being punks. They're being bastards. So, this fits. So, who attacked the Bucks? Well, we don't know yet. So, this is definitely a story that we're going to have to follow that will develop as we go along besides we're not done even talking about it quite yet we're going to get to it get to uh, some more of this later on in the review but as it stands right now we're going to move on to our opening match Darby Allen Orange Cassidy and Sting defeated the Butcher and the Blade along with Kip Sabian in a trios match which was set up at the house show this weekend at the AEW House Rules House Show, which opens on uh, with, with, in Troy, Ohio. <clears throat> Seems like it was a rousing success for everyone who was there. 3,200 tickets distributed. Uh, looked like a packed house. I think this was a, you know, a success for AEW at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, I talked about it on the podcast, but I think it does mean... Uh, on the uh, uh, but it, it does bear repeating if you ask me <clears throat> it does bear repeating uh they they set up this angle at the house show doing a little skit in the back they had their had there was a match and then they did a little thing backstage to set up this match here just a, and that is a little tiny itty bitty something that you that 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 costs nothing really. That is not super. It doesn't require hours of involvement and tons of creative. Just set up an angle at your house show that will be resolved on dynamite. I. That's how you make your house shows feel important. That's how you make them uh, come across as something that you have to be at. I was there when this happened. You know, I, I go a little deeper on the podcast, right? But I'm like, look, you know, you do, a, you, you do a, a title change, a surprise title change. You can have the title be switched back on Wednesday. It doesn't matter. But, but the, the point being is that the house shows might be canon. There are things happening there that might be referenced. We even got footage from the house show on Dynamite to put this over. When's the last time? WWE ever did that with one of their house shows. Their house shows are insignificant. We know this. They don't care about their house shows. They're just like, you know, blow-offs and whatever happens there it doesn't matter in the long run. 
So they don't feel as special. They don't feel as important. Now, if AEW continues down this trend, it doesn't doesn't mean that they have to run like full angles on everything, but just one little element that they, they can transfer transfer back onto Dynamite on Wednesdays. <clears throat> it's a big deal. It's good. Anyway, it's a good little opener until Butcher and Sting go at it. No, no, no that, that's a very bad way to put it. It's a good little opener. Things pick up when Butcher and, and Sting go at it. Sting avoids a Stinger splash from Butcher. Lands one himself and then everything breaks down. Everyone gets involved. Get a double team suplex by Butcher and Blade. Kip uh, tries to do a splash on Sting, but he has to go corner to corner because Sting is doing the Orange Cassidy rollaways. Code Red by Darby Allen follows Penelope Ford, causes a distraction, and the heels get their heat back. Power slam by Blade. Sharpshooter by Butcher, or should I say a scorpion deathlock in this environment here tonight um and he does the sharpshooter butcher does the sharpshooter and tr and and and, and uh, transition it into a power bomb which was very cool orange cassidy gets the hot tag does a satellite ddt assisted power bomb uh, uh double team by butcher and the blade corner cannonball by kip but sting decapitates kip with a lariat Locks in the Scorpion Deathlock on him, and Butcher and the Blade try to break it up, but Sting is no holding their no no selling their offense. Excuse me. Orange Cassidy lands the Stun Dog Millionaire on Kip Sabian, flipping Stunner by Darby Allen on Kip Sabian, and the Scorpion Deathlock by Sting on Kip Sabian gets the win. Fine little opener. Fun look. You know, got the crowd hot. You bring out Sting. I haven't seen Sting uh, in a couple of months at this point. Just before he did the the we he did the Mudo show right in Japan, and we haven't really seen him since. So people were excited to see him back. And I know who pointed this out. I forget, and I apologize because it just popped into my head. But someone pointed out, you know, if. You see all, you know, the grumpy old former wrestlers, you know, who aren't getting booked anywhere and all they do is sit in front of a microphone and, and, and complain about, you know, the youngins and the state of the business today. Meanwhile, you have Sting who's in that ring and he's doing Orange Cassidy spots. He does the shin kicks. He does the roll away thing. Those are, those are Orange Cassidy spots. And instead of doing the, you know, the enthusiastic chest thumping. He does it, you know, very orange Cassidy. Like, come on. Let's cut this shit out now. Let's see. Pro wrestling, the veterans of the pro wrestling scene are very strange when it comes to putting over what's going on today. They'd rather bury it and see that the business dies without them, which it won't. It'll thrive without these, you know, retrogrades I'd rather do that than you know rather go on podcast and say hey me and this other superstar we have a pact where we never watch AEW <laughs> what is how do you why, how is how do you brag about why is that a bragging right why is that something that you feel comfortable in and you're like you, you know because you're basically just admitting uh, I'm just letting I'm just letting the business pass me by I'm just letting stuff happen and uh, 
You know, I'm not staying abreast of things. I'm not seeing where where the wind is blowing, what 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 trends are happening, what the what the new guys, what the new kids are up to. No, I'll just uh, stick with the plan. Stick stick with the plan. Yeah. Got off track there. Crowd pleaser. That was this opener. It was a crowd pleaser. I enjoyed it. We get a video package uh, from uh, all the pillars. MJF, world champion, of course. Jack Perry, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. They're all cutting uh, backstage interviews after last week's rebar mitzvah. MJF is mad. He says if they want championships, they have to earn their contendership just like everyone else. And then the pillars all say, yeah, we're ready to climb the ladder. We're ready to do this if I have to score points. And I'm like, look, I think we've got something good here. We, I think this, this little segment that they got here that they put out here, it gave me some life. You know what would be cool here, folks? You know what I would enjoy? Put up a scoreboard. Look, if Sammy, uh, uh, Jack, and Darby all need to, you know, win matches, they have to do like, like MJF did with Danielson, right? It's like, look, brother, I'm not handing out challenges, right? I'm not handing out opportunities. You have to earn them. And I like this about MJF. But MJ, and this is on brand. He told us when he won the title that this is what he was going to do. So this is no surprise and it works in his character. This is fantastic. So what did he say? He said, you have to earn your way here. Make yourself the number one contender. I ain't handing this shit out. Cool. So these three dudes, the three other pillars, what they have to do is go on dynamite rampage week after week and rack up some wins. Not unlike Danielson did. Have them all do it and have a scoreboard. Let's have a leaderboard to see where they're at. Just the three of them. It, it's, I'm not saying, this is, I don't give a shit about the ranking system. I'm talking about this as an angle. Pull up a scoreboard and have the three compete so that we as an audience then can root for whoever we want to win. Or root against whoever we want to lose, i.e. Sammy Guevara. But for real, what, wouldn't that sound great? Here's another idea I have. Let's do a round robin. Let's have ourselves a round robin tournament between these three guys. Whoever has the most points at the end moves on to face MJF. There's a tie. Well, there's a tiebreaker match. Wouldn't that be great? Just a little, a tiny little encapsulated angle where these guys have to work. All that, that That's how it works in AEW regardless. Put in the work and people will get behind you. I don't think there would be a better angle to set this up. You got a couple of weeks. Look, Double or Nothing's in May. We're not even close to it yet. We have time to set this up. And then you establish your challenger who's worked his way, who's worked his way right before our eyes on television every week. And whichever way you use it, whether it's a little round robin tournament between the three or a scoreboard, the audience is behind it because we had something to latch on to. We had something to get behind. You know what I'm talking about. So then MJF... He can't say, no, no, I'm not giving you the shot. No, this guy earned it. He's there. I 
think both, I think both versions would be super exciting. Don't give me a three-way elimination match where you know whoever wins gets the shot that I I couldn't care less. This is what I am hope this is what I'm hoping doesn't happen. I think a if it happens, it'll happen, whatever, and I'm sure it'll be great because all three guys are great. What are you going to do? But I'm talking from a creative standpoint. AEW has an opportunity to do something really different to a North American audience right now. They can try something just completely out of the blue that hasn't been seen before because this is what happens in WWE for years. This is always what happens. Who is the next contender? Fatal 4-Way, Triple Threat on SmackDown. What, what if, and you're like, okay, you know. And then you have like four weeks of build where it's just like, now you have an opportunity to really build a guy. Build a challenger from the ground up. Because we've established that, you know, last week with the Rebar Mitzvah, this week with this package, that the pillars are all on the same level. Outside of MJF, we're talking about the challengers. The pillars are all on the same level. So one of them has to stand across, stand out from the pack. So you have to establish that. You have to make that. Have them win matches, sure. Put up a scoreboard. Let's see how they're going. Let's keep an eye on this. Make it, give it the sports-based presentation that I think this kind of situation is warranted to have. Let's have a round robin. Round robin would be so fucking easy. There's an up, my point being, we'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure it's going to end up with a triple, a, a three-way match or whatever. Don't say triple threat. I'm pretty sure that's what it's going, that, that, that's where we're going to end up with it. But my point being is that we have an opportunity to do something creative, something different. I wish we could lean into it. Next, we had a sizzle reel for El Hijo del Vikingo. Um, just in case, you know, everyone is there watching, you know, and they did, they hit all the right marks, right? He's a huge star in Mexico. People cheer for him. Son of a legend. Let's keep going. I'm not rehashing all of that. I'm not. There's been more than enough talk about that. I'm not rehashing it. AEW World Tag Team Title Match. The Guns defeated Top Flight to retain their titles. Uh, another good showing once again by Top Flight who are an extremely, you know, I'm not teaching you anything. Extremely dynamic tag team. Darius lands a German suplex, standing Spanish fly. Dante does the nosedive. The Kingdom arrive and interfere in the match, which, event, which will end up costing top, top Flight the match. Allows the Guns to land... 310 to Yuma for the win. That's all right. Like, nothing to write home about. I can't get behind the guns. I really can't. I, I, you know, people, again, you know, people will keep saying, you know, oh, who's going to be the next guy to jump to WWE? And, you know, they keep talking about, you know, who's... Oh, MJF, and what about uh, Kenny Omega's like, <laughs> Austin Gunn, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, Austin Gunn, he is, he is pitch perfect 
for the Fed. After the match, FTR come to the ring. Their music hits. They arrive. And they want to challenge the uh, they want to challenge the guns for the titles again. They throw all sorts of stipulations to try to get the guns to say yes because the guns said never in a million years. We will never challenge you again. That's shot down. We'll break up if we lose. Well, now it's shot down again. But finally, the guns accept on the stipulation of a loser leaves town match. FTR flat out said we will be leaving AEW if we lose this, this match, this championship match against the two of you. Extend their hands to shake on it, but instead the guns just straight up spit on them, which was disgusting. I, spitting in wrestling is so, it's disgusting. It's great and disgusting. Um, of course, isn't this interesting that for weeks now, uh, Dax Harwood on Twitter has been talking about April 10. Oh, we have a big decision to make on April 10. And he doubled down on that recently, saying, oh, we got some big decisions to make about our, 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 our future. We're going to let our fans know soon. And the, the, the April 10 day was also one that was heralded, you know, back when, uh, oops, oops, did I tweet out a picture? with a, a piece of paper that has half of a WWE logo on it. Oh my goodness, did I do that accidentally? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And this guy, this gets people so crazy mad. And I, I couldn't give a shit in the sense that Dax is working the smart crowd and the smart crowd doesn't like to be worked. They like to know what's going on. But he's absolutely putting in the effort to make sure that people online talk about this. And look, I'm, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. I'm not saying with, with aplomb that this is a work, okay? Maybe, maybe their contracts are running up on April 10 and they are not renewing. Because that's what's out there, April 10. So maybe they are not going to renew the contracts. But in the meantime, they are still underemployed. They're, Dax is working this, we might be leaving shtick so hard online that my spidey sense is tingling and I'm not quite sure this isn't to work. We will find out at this, at this uh, 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 match upcoming, this loser leaves town match, because if that does indeed happen, if, let me, let me spin that around again. If FTR does indeed stay in AW, he's been working everyone for months. And people have been getting angry at him for months. And I will only sit back and applaud Dax Harwood for having worked people this hard for so long to only be like, nope, been pulling your leg all along. And I promise these are the same people, or maybe not all, but a lot of them 
will be the same folks saying, man, I wish kayfabe was still around. Man, wrestling isn't the same since kayfabe was dead. This is the new kayfabe. This is the new thing. Putting out information about your contract and your, you know, am I happy or not in AEW, so on and on and all of that. And to lead into a work where you're getting the online fans worked as well as the people in the audience who couldn't give two shits about Twitter. Yeah, sure, there's crossover, but trust me, the entirety of that crowd in Missouri, in Independence, Missouri, aren't all, you know, uh, online, terminally online, checking everything that, that Dax Harwood has to say. I'm, I, I am legitimately excited to see how this develops. Because, look, on one hand, if they decide to wrap it up with AEW and go off to wherever, good for them. If they, if they decide to stay with AEW and win the match, good for them. And I will, I will cheer. I will be the first on the front line to applaud Dax Harwood. To have worked people into a frenzy so hard. Worked! As a pro wrestler should do. And to put this in the face of anyone who says, okay, fame, I wish wrestlers wouldn't be. Ha! There's the new work right there. Working the smart fans. I love it. Now, this is happening. Hey, look. I don't think they stretched this out to double or nothing. There, there is no way. Because everyone is like, oh, this is going to be a great match of double or nothing. There is no way they're stretching this out to double or nothing. Double or nothing is in two months. What exactly is the date? It's at the start of May, right? Uh, no, May 28th. Like, we're literally more than a month away. Two months away. There's no way they're stretching the guns and FTR over two months? Are you shitting me? It hit the bricks. That's going to be the worst. That's going to be the worst angle of all time. Dax has been talking about April 10. April 10 is in two weeks. It's a Monday. This is happening very soon. If not on this week's Dynamite, on the next one, right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense to, to, to do that if we're... Yeah, either on the 29th or the April 5th Dynamite. It's inevitable. We're going to get an answer there. And it's going to be a big match and people are going to get excited about it. I'm enjoying this on, on a primordial level. This is getting me exactly... It's hitting me right in the feels. I couldn't care less if Dax Harwood, you know, tweets things that makes people mad. Or he goes off on something. I don't care. I think he's great. This is fantastic. Smart fans, smart fans do not like to be worked. It's just that simple. They really hate it. Jade Cargill is backstage with Layla Gray and Mark Sterling. They have a cease and desist for Taya Valkyrie who used the Jaded, a.k.a. the Road to Valhalla. Turns out that 
Jade and uh, and and Taya have the same finisher. Mark Sterling has a case saying, you know, cease and desist. Uh, we've proven uh, uh, ownership. Blah blah blah. Lots of, you know, goofy, over the top lawyer speak. Layla is going to serve up the cease and desist to the Tyra at uh, Rampage. Okay, we can see how this is going. Let's give this one time to breathe. I still think that this was not the way to go, but. Look, you bring in Mark Sterling, you do this, you know, the, 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 you know, you, you start doing the shit heel stuff where it's like, you can't use this because it belongs to me. I like it. It's, it's fine. Hook defeated Stokely Hathaway. Hook is, he comes out with the rest of the firm. He's in gear, just up like Farouk. He's got a, he goes in the ring, he says he has a doctor's note saying he can't compete. Thanks his 12 fans for all their support. He hands the doctor's note to uh, Justin Roberts, who reveals that the note is simply a receipt from Wingstop with the words, he's sick, written on it with a Sharpie. Phenomenal stuff. This phenomenal stuff. Yeah, I, I disagree. Here's the thing. I generally disagree that there is no place for comedy in wrestling. I think that a lot, of, just like comedy in general, like not everyone does it well. Stokely Hathaway is a genius at it. A genius. And there is intangibles in regards to Stokely and how he manages his character that made this, that make him uh, a superstar in this field. I'm not saying this is a he's a main event guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like he is perfect in the role that he has. Perfect. And he needs to be a consistent part of this programming. He is too good at what he does. And then he follows up with great shit on Twitter where he has, you know, the whole, uh, you know, about uh, 20 people from the locker room all lined up to laugh at him as he walks away hurt from his match. That is perfect, perfect, perfect work from Stoke. And the match, match of the year. <laughs> no, but what was this match for? It was for Hook to get his hands on Stoke so he could toss him around. What happened? He got his hands on him and he tossed him around. Stokely bumped for Hook so much. Stoke bumped more in this match than Alexa Bliss does. He eats a Tazplex on a guardrail. Hook pins him, could win the match after the Tazplex, but instead he breaks up the pin because he wants to tap him out. He wants to choke him out with the Taz mission, the red drum. Jesus Christ. Red rum, Warren. It's not the Taz mission anymore. There is room for comedy in pro wrestling. Not everyone does it well. Which is why it can get really fucking grating sometimes. Because you, some people think it's funny. This is funny. This was awesome. 
Everyone wanted to see Stoke get his ass kicked because he's such a, a weenie, a shit heel weenie that it just, it made us, it gave us pleasure to see him get destroyed and that is all on him. That is because of his, of course, how he's booked. But the time that, what all the, uh, the, 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 he makes the most out of every minute he has on television to get his character over. This would not have worked as successfully with anyone else than Stokely Hathaway. Phenomenal! Match of the year! You know there's going to be people who are going to have this on, the, on their match of the year. And you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I wouldn't disagree with anyone here. Because as far as a comedy match in pro wrestling goes, this was fantastic. This was phenomenal. What was it? Two years ago, the, the Hiromu uh, Toruyano match. I think it was for the new, in the New Japan Cup during the pandemic. In an empty arena, it was a fa it was fantastic, and the match finishes with Hiromu tossing uh, uh, Toriano into a uh, uh, an elevator and pressing the down button, so Yano gets counted out. I thought it was a fantastic match. I still remember it. That's the, that's why the 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 star ratings don't always work. <laughs> you, see, you know. After the match, Matt Hardy, he's backstage. All the firm are watching this backstage because they were banned from ringside. And Matt Hardy is, you know, he tells Ethan Page that he's the one that has to avenge Stokely. Tech 9. Rap artist extraordinaire is in the audience. Then we get an Adam Cole promo. He comes into the ring, talks about his return match next week and who his opponent should be. Q Daniel Garcia comes out in in looking the skeeviest he's been in a long time. He cuts a great heel promo on Adam Cole for real, and he's leaning into his his accent so hard. Look, anyone, let's read my lips. Anyone at this conjuncture in time who says Daniel Garcia has no personality, no charisma has not been watching the show and should be immediately banned from whatever environment in which you are consuming this person's uh, worldview on wrestling, whether it be a podcast, a YouTube video, a Twitter post, that person does not belong in your mind space because they are wrong. Because Garcia has improved so much on that point that he is he is a complete like he understands himself as a character as a TV personality as a as a pro wrestling persona whichever way you want to call it much more than when he started once he got drafted up to the big leagues he's improved so much and it is something actually that people don't talk enough about just how crazy him working with Jericho, because you know Jericho's giving him pointers. He's giving him, he's he's helping him along. Unquestionably, this has been nothing but beneficial for him to the point that this shit K 
character that he has, this sports entertainer, we still see how conflicted he is. It's That's how good his character work has been. When he trips up, trips up, and you know, almost calls himself professional wrestler, catches himself saying that, and then returns to saying, no, I'm a sports entertainer. Like, you know, like he has to convince himself. The seed is still there. The, the, the dilemma is still there. If he didn't have the personality or the character work to pull it off, it would not be working. But it is working. So we have to cut this shit out in regards to Daniel Garcia not having a personality. I promise you. I swear. This is a... I'm, you know, I'm laying the law down. I'm drawing the line. Anyone who says Daniel Garcia doesn't have a personality hasn't been watching the show. He's been sitting afar, watching whatever programming they watch on their end, and then at some point just throws out some some empty uh, uh, tweets, some empty thoughts out there because they think this is still a thing. But he has input, and it is a talking point that has to come up more how much Daniel Garcia is becoming a star. We knew he was a fantastic pro wrestler. Everyone was like, well, he's just a guy in trunks. Not anymore, son. Anyway, Garcia tells Adam Cole that since he's been gone, he's beaten Brody King, Ricky Starks, and Danielson. The boys in the back consider me a locker room leader. It's, it's great shit. Adam Cole, asks, you know, asks him, what makes Adam Cole so special? To which Adam Cole does a callback to that legendary NXT promo with Karrion Cross. So we're getting this match next week. This is Adam Cole's big return match against Dan Garcia. And they're, notice that they are driving the babyface heel dynamic down the line. There is no way you can cheer for... Dan Garcia in this one. Everyone's going to be on Adam Cole's side. Why were people convinced that this was supposed to be Jay White? I saw this happen. People believed that Jay White was going to be the return guy. Why? Why, why? why does he... Even if... Even if... They had, they had Jay White signed. Which we don't know. Right now. Even if they had him signed. Why would... Adam Cole's return match be against Jay White? Just coming out of nowhere? You want Adam Cole to go over on the first match? You want people to boo the heel in this match? You're not going to necessarily boo Jay White. And, you know, maybe to the AEW audience, you know, you got to get this guy over too. I, I Listen, I don't understand. I don't understand how this was, how people... I saw this up and down the timeline, how people were disappointed. And again, I don't understand it. I just do not get it. Anyway, we're getting that next week. I'm still not... I'm, I still feel like Adam Cole is just laying... He's laying it a little thick still with the babyface stuff. He probably... I'm not saying he's going to turn next week, but what I am absolutely saying is that he's not staying a babyface. He he just can't. Alex Marvez backstage, he barges into Kenny Omega's dressing room. He's there with Don Callis. Kenny's worried because of what happened to the Bucks. Don tells him to focus. 
And he sort of, you know, he tells them, it's fine that these kids, you know, it's okay that these kids talking about the Bucks got hurt. They'll be back. They'll bounce back. They'll be back in a while. Now we can focus on you and me, right? It's like the God of pro wrestling is back. Singles action. And you're like, okay. We'll talk about this later again, but um, Don is uh, sending some weird signals here. Weird signals. John Moxley is uh, backstage. Not backstage. He's in the ring. What am I talking about? He defeated Stu Grayson. This match had a really rough start. Like there were some clear miscommunications between them both. You know, with some shoulder blocks and whatnot and stuff in the corner and Moxley just he got pissed off and he threw a chair <laughs> good 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 job on commentary to have covered it and said whoa uh, if Stu Grayson had been hit that would have been an instant disqualification like none of that none of what was happening it was a bit of a it was a bit of a mess picked up got a little back about on track Mox landed a gotch pause driver Stu a cork, corkscrew plancha and an Orihara moonsault uh, he does a 450 onto Mox where he came up a little short. Mox was a little far away. Mox didn't scooch over. He didn't scooch over to sort of make the distance. No, he was pretty far away. And I think this was kind of Mox saying, uh, well, you fucked up a couple of spots. Well, here, yeah, come and land this. Uh. Stu goes for a backbreaker. It's reversed into a bulldog choke. And he fights out of that by cannonballing himself into the corner with Mox on his back. But Mox uses an avalanche death rider to put Stu away. The match was fine. And honestly, this one under-delivered for me. I was really excited. Look, I've seen Stu Grayson wrestle multiple times on the independent circuit uh, over at C4 in Ottawa. Uh, I've seen him uh, go multiple times. I'm familiar with his work uh, as, you know, in his tag team with Evil Uno, Super Smash Bros. back in the day. And I was like, man, people are not ready for how violent Stu, Stu can get. And... Yeah, I got a little bummed. I, I was a little bummed that uh, that there was a there was a rough start here, and I you know I can only end up saying you know what this match was fine with a with a with a a, a fun final stretch, but like nothing to write home about. I was really hoping Stu would have a really really hard one with Mox, but it didn't go that way. So I'm I'm a little disappointed. Could be the nerves. Could look. It could be so many things, right? Mox didn't bleed. Ricky Starks is interviewed backstage. Says he's sick and tired of uh, back and forth with Juice Robinson. How much back and forth has there been? Like, how are you sick and tired of it? Like, right now, it's just basic pro wrestling banter. On Rampage, he's done talking. Juice can find him man to man. Otherwise, he's just just stop. I'm sick of it. I had to take time off of my vacation to come say this. And this goes into what I was talking about last week. And this goes back to don't you enjoy working for EW? Don't you just like being there? <laughs> I was like, I had to take time off of my vacation to come do my job. I'm like, all of this is getting a little exhausting. Look, I still think, I, I still believe that the, the Juice Robinson thing is not the stopgap for Ricky Starks here. It has more to do with Bullet Club than anything else, if you ask me. But yeah, I, this is dragging on too long 
for what it's worth. For a Juice Robinson feud, this is dragging on too much. We get another QTV segment. Look, I, I'm, I, I'm officially done with it. I think it's too dumb. I don't like it. It's, it's too corny. It's, I, I can't pay attention. It's hard for me to pay attention. Uh, everyone's grading. Now they, now they, and now they've brought in internet feud nonsense into the, they've brought the beefs from the past few weeks into this with the cheese plate and the Twitter handles and all this bullshit. And listen, here's the thing. This is why I'm not talking about anything. I, I'm not talking about Vikingo and people saying, who is this guy? I'm not talking about it because I'm fed up of it. And I'm sick of the discourse. And I'm sick of the focus that we as, 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 as you know, uh, uh, commentators, analysts put into this stuff. You know, the best that I can do is point out when people are wrong. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this shit. And if QT is feuding with journalists, pundits, whatever you want to call them, online, influencers, that's his thing. But it's, it takes up so much brain space and discussion where we don't even talk about wrestling anymore this is all we end up talking about i'm like at the very least if i watch dynamite if i watch my pro wrestling i can escape from all of this but no we're bringing this up i want to escape this garbage i don't want it it's bad enough i have to put up with it when i'm carousing online but now I have to watch cheese, cheese platter, charcuterie boards. I, I tweeted it out. I was like, lol. But not as in lol, what a great rib. It's like, no, lol. What the fuck is this? I don't want Twitter. I don't want Twitter bullshit dribbling into, because it's bullshit. Raj, Raj Geary of Wrestling Inc. and QT going at it. On I couldn't give a shit. I, I could not care less. I couldn't care less. And here's the thing. Here is the my main issue with last night's episode and the whole QTV thing is that QT is trying too hard. He's overthinking it. If it's him or whoever's behind this creatively, they are all overthinking it. QT is such a good heat getter. He is such a good manager type that can also wrestle. He puts the guys over like he is. Everything he's done up until this point has been phenomenal. I think he's overthinking it. This is, it's too much. And it's not, I don't think it's entertaining. I don't even think it's funny. Look what we were talking about just previously with Hathaway doing the comedy bits where I, you know, nothing but praise because it's done well. Now we come down here and it's like, what are we even doing? I don't understand any of this. What was Aaron Solo talking about, about stealing Wardlow's identity now? What is it? It's all too much. It's too much. And we don't need it. And QT, this is... This is the kicker, is that QT doesn't need it. Because QT was doing wonderfully in his job. 
up until this QTV stuff. Even him running out to help Hobbs win the TNT title before the QTV, the first edition of QTV was... Mm, I know a lot of people didn't like it. This was the whole catalyst, right? But it worked. Because it all connected, all made sense. I, I, I have no use for this. I have no use for it. Uh, more power to you if you enjoy it. I don't. He's so good. He doesn't need this. Thank, look, positives. Hobbs wasn't involved in this. Like, you know, that was a criticism I had last week on the first episode. I'm like, we have all this goofiness. Like, Why is Hobbs there? Why is Hobbs there? Hobbs should not be involved in this. Keep Hobbs away from this. This is uh, not good. He's not there this week, and I hope that continues, if this continues. I, personally, I would prefer QT sticks to the basics, goes back to what he's really good at. This is too much, and, and, and we're including shit that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter! I don't care about cheese plate guy. I couldn't give a shit. All of this doesn't matter. Anyway. And we also learned that Hobbs is fighting Penta after this as well. Tony Storm defeated the Sky Blue. The workhorse of the women's division. I was chatting with Kristen about this last night. And she was saying, because, you know, I, you know, I pretend that uh, Tony Storm is the workhorse of the women's division, right? And we've talked about this with Orange Cassidy. Again, look, Orange Cassidy on TV again this week. Doing the job. He, he was there while doing work. Didn't do a job, but he did his work, right? He came in and he performed again. And he was at the he was at the house show the, this weekend. Like, Orange Cassidy, workhorse of the company. Tony Storm, workhorse as well. Women's division. Like, I've talked about it. Kristen was telling me, but you know what? And she was pulling up stats because that's usually what she does. And then, you know, Sky, Sky's on everything. She's on TV all the time. She's on Ring of Honor. She's everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. A workhorse battle here. Tony Storm lands some snap suplexes outside inside the ring as well. Sky Blue does a diving crossbody, hits scissors takedown, and that low enziguri lands the code blue, but the ref is distracted, which allows Tony Storm to eventually get out of the pin predicament, land the hip attack, German suplex, and Storm Zero for the win. After the match, Riho with pipe, with her pipe, and Willow Nightingale come in to save. Um, Sky Blue from the uh, from the beatdown. The pipe. <laughs> I fucking love Riho running around with that pipe. It seems so like it it seems so out of place for her that it works. Does that make sense? Like the way she holds it, the way it's it feels alien on this woman. But it works. There's something like it's just great. I know. So this angle continues, and then we get to the main event. Where Kenny Omega defeated El Hijo del Vikingo. So listen, this is one of the all-time great television wrestling, uh, uh, great TV matches. Listen, this is one of the all-time great TV matches. And we're going to get this out the gate real quick. Vikingo, Vikingo, 
said, essentially, you're going to remember me now. There'll be no more, no more nonsense. When I'm done here, you will know who I am. Now, again, I'm sick with discourse, sick of people focusing on all sorts of bullshit except what's happening, what's going on in the ring. I'm not addressing it and I'm not taking any victory laps and we shouldn't be patting ourselves on the back saying, we told you so. This is dumb. We got to let this go. We got to focus on what happened. We're not going to sit around here talking about whether or not a, a, whether or not a, a gentleman from Mexico should be a Viking because Vikings were white. This is bullshit. This is dumb. Do you know? Do you understand how deeply, insanely stupid the level of discourse is if this is a talking point? So we're not, we're not, we're not getting into it. We're talking about a 450 Rana. A 450 Hurricane Rana. We're talking about a corkscrew dropkick and a shooting star press off the apron within the first four fucking minutes of the match. We're talking about these two dudes. We're talking about these two guys doing a corkscrew, excuse me, a monkey flip on the apron with about, there is more room in my standalone shower than there is on that apron and they did a fucking monkey flip. Dragon Rana off the apron. Don't even ask me how to, how to perform a Dragon Rana much less off the apron onto the floor. What are we doing? Vikingo reverses an avalanche power bomb into a poison run and everything think, everyone thinks Kenny Omega's dead. He lands on his head. Kenny's fine though. He's laying in snapdragons and V-triggers. And then we get a diving poison Rana to drop Omega on his head again. We get a 6.30 off of over the top rope through a table on the floor. Vikingo goes for a 6.30. Kenny Omega moves out of the way. Leads into the one-winged angel for the win. Now the thing here is I'm, I'm, I'm bellowing out spots. But the thing here is that we have such beautiful, smooth work from both these guys. That just screaming out spots like I did here does not even do it justice. It's the smoothness, the pure athleticism of the thing. A spectacular, bombastic piece of pro wrestling to athletes putting on a physical feat of greatness. It's a spot show. It's Lucha Libre. That's why, this is why I can't connect with a lot of people when it comes to, because they're like, well, it's only spot. This is another style of pro wrestling. It's something else. I knew what I was getting myself into here. Was I about to get a 20 minute psychology classic, you know, based on headlocks? No. 
That's not why I was excited about this. I was excited because of what I got. It's exactly what I was expecting. And anyone else who has any other expectation, I don't know what to tell you. I feel bad. I feel bad if you had any kind of other expectation. I feel bad for you. And this is going to be a match that this is a milestone. This is a this is a, a, a marker in time that people are going to remember in years and years. Just like when people talk, go back and talk about, you know, fantastic Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero matches on Nitro. It's the same thing. And why will it be remembered fondly, do you ask? Because you have two of the all-time greats. Look, let me rephrase that. You have one of the all-time greats pairing up with someone who is on that very same path of becoming one, who collide in an electric, high-flying, athletic toward force. And pro wrestling can be that. It can be just like outstanding, ridiculous athleticism. If your main gripe is Kenny Omega was waiting, standing around for the spot instead of just marveling at a fucking Dragon Rana off of the apron instead of marveling at a at a monkey flip in a small amount of space, a 630 onto a table. If, this, if, what, if your gripe is the other guy is waiting around, well, look, I don't know what to tell you, but everything progresses, everything changes, everything evolves in pro wrestling, just like any sport. The athletes of 1985 are not the same as the athletes in 2023, the kids playing hockey, pro football, pro baseball, they're not the same. They're better. They've changed styles. They've improved. There's different ways of approaching the game. I, pro wrestling fans are the only ones who don't appreciate an evolution in, in athleticism. They're, they're the only ones who don't. This is a one in a million pairing to have these two guys around at the same time doing this. We were so lucky that the stars aligned to have this match happen. And we have to talk about how great, how good it is to see Kenny Omega hitting a singles match in AEW again. I can't remember, like it was an, a, a, an amazing amount of time since he last stepped into the ring in a singles match. And this, this was missing from AEW programming. I w I'm all for the trio stuff, don't get me wrong. But Don Callis is right. Look, you see Kenny Omega, I when you watch Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, you're like, Jesus Christ, this, this guy st is still, he's still got it. He's still here. He's still going. He's still... We were told that, you know, he had all the, his body was beat up and he had all these injuries and so on and so forth. But look at him go. Look at all the bumps he was taking. Look at these moves he was taking. Kenny Omega could be saying, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. He doesn't have to, but he still is. Even in his match with Osprey which was a, a fantastic, brutal affair nonetheless. He wasn't taking these spots. Spots like Vikingo was putting pulling out here. Vikingo, excuse me. But Kenny Omega, 
in singles matches in AEW was missing. It was missing. A lot of the elite stuff was missing. You can feel it when they're there. It brings you back to what AEW is supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to be. He was missing in this equation. Having him on a Wednesday night doing insane shit was absolutely missing. So if they're going down this angle, right, where Don Callis is trying to, you know, wrench Kenny Omega away from the Bucks to be more of a singles guy, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Because this show needs more big match Kenny. It really does. Now there is one singular piece of criticism that I think is fair to deliver. And I think I really do think it's fair. It's not even on the match. That the match was fantastic. I think the I think the post-match angle was a mistake. And that's a shame. Because I think the post-match angle took away the shine, the feel of this match. This absolutely, 100%, this episode of Dynamite should have concluded with Kenny Omega and Vikingo in the middle of the ring. Both... Yeah, Kenny raising his arm, applauding, giving him the double point, getting the audience to cheer for him. Make this guy in North America. And that's a shame. This is something we should have, as fans, it would have helped add a little more, a little more impact, a little more gravitas to the thing. Because then we're like, oh, we got to move on to the post-match angle. Which I feel, here's the thing. Let's, look, let's run through, let's run through real quickly what happened just to make sure, you know. Um, you know, Tony Schiavone comes in to interview Kenny in a post-match interview. Blackpool Combat Club run in, they attack Kenny. As he's getting beat down, we go to the Tony Tron and we've got, um, we've got Hangman Adam Page riding back in an ambulance. And he's got a two by four with nails in it. Where'd he get that? And he 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 makes his way to the uh, to the to ringside while the BCC continue to beat up on on Omega. Uh, Hangman runs the boys off, the Blackpool boys off, uh, and then um, Kenny is still laid out. Doesn't see Don Callis, who's trying to I don't know, he's trying to keep Hangman away. Doesn't see Don take a fake bump, but hears him. Kenny turns around, you know, comes to a little bit, sees Hangman with the with the board and Don Callis out, and Kenny's mad. Of course, you know, Kenny will never look at the tape to see exactly what happened. Because he leaves, he's mad at Hanger, and this is what's going to happen, right? So, okay, so I know what they're doing. Again, there's a difference between not understanding what they're doing and not liking it. Just because I understand it doesn't mean that I have to like it. And I understand what they're doing here. Continuing to drive the wedge, continuing to 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 establish that Kenny and, and and Adam Page haven't reconciled. They're still at odds, 
uh, Paige and the Bucks may ha have started to smooth things over, but it's not with Kenny. And Don is, he's, he's leaning into this because clearly he wants Kenny all to himself. That's, that's it, right? I think I've, I understand it. Now, what happened here, I don't like it. Because I think it took away from the more important tale, which was we just saw an epic television match that created a, a, a star in North America for, you know, uh, for the national mainstream wrestling viewing audience. We should have taken a moment to live, to, to live in this uh, uh, environment, in this, uh, bask in this glory, if you may. But we didn't. We moved on straight away and in an angle that it didn't serve a purpose. I, 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 don't think, I don't think Hangman coming back to the arena served a purpose. I don't think it added anything. You know, outside of the ridiculousness of him driving an ambulance. Like what, did he, did he hijack it? Is it like, you know, is it like, you know, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption. You just steal another guy's horse, another guy's car. and you, Like, outside of that, it like... Outside of the, the, the things that didn't make sense, it didn't add necessarily anything that was crucial that could not have waited next week or the week after or could have been done earlier in the evening. Like there's nothing, 100, there's nothing that uh, critical that this angle added that could not have, that, that absolutely had to happen this week. This is something that could have happened next week. I think just the fact of the Bucks being driven off, you know, the whole, because the whole idea this week, the seed that you plant, who attacked the Bucks? Probably BCC, probably not. You're still going down the path that BCC are running around attacking people. I get that. But it was enough. It didn't add anything more. It just complexified things a little bit. It's something you could have done next week. You know, the whole Don Callis thing. You could have absolutely done that next week. And you could have focused on giving the shine to the match. And I think that is a fair criticism. I didn't like it. I think, But I think it's a fair criticism. But what a match. What a fucking match. And you know, it lived up to my expectations. This is exactly what I thought we were going to get get going into this and more like there's shit here that Kenny Omega I never thought he'd take this was just crazy ass shit and good on Vikingo and you know this probably means you know uh, uh, Kenny tweeted it out too thanked Triple uh, A for their collaboration in this and their cooperation so there's probably you know I'm Probably the relationship with AEW and AAA is improving, if not better at this point, which would be good. I mean, look, I know a lot of people are going around going, oh, they had, their champion was pinned on television, was non-title first and foremost. Yes, the champion got pinned. But, you know, this is how you smooth things over sometimes in wrestling. Maybe Tony Khan is still a little sore at AAA for doing the, you know, the FTR, you know, the... Uh, Dragon Lee leaving to announcing he's leaving for WWE on the night FTR dropped the titles. Maybe he's still a little sore at that and he tells Kona and he says, look, brother, I'm cool with working with you again, but you got to give me this. I'm pinning your champion. My guy's pinning your champion on TV. Kona doesn't. And, and this stuff, quite frankly, doesn't matter as much, you know, for AAA and Mexico. It doesn't matter as much as it does 
in the brains of North American wrestling people and wrestling fans. It doesn't matter as much. I'm sure everyone, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that everyone was cool with it. It's probably a little receipt there from Tony. Fantastic main event. Go out of your way to watch it if you haven't already. It's superb. Stokely Hathaway versus Hook. You got to watch it. Look, overall, I thought this was a fine episode. I think it's a one match, two match card. Uh, I enjoyed the first hour. I enjoyed the promos. I think the second hour, the second hour leading into uh, the Kenny Omega match was a little iffy. Not sure, not sure I was down with it, but a fine show. Like overall, like in its in, in its entirety, you're like, yeah, that's fine. More good than bad. Just like in this review. There was more good in this review than bad. Thank you everyone for uh for popping in, for joining, for listening on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hey, subscriptions, likes, go right ahead. And uh on your or on your favorite uh audio podcast thing where you can show some love there too i appreciate love i like love so remember tomorrow friday if you're listening to this on thursday or you can already check it out if it's already out there by the time you watch and you're listening to this uh joe lanza and i talk about the jericho vortex it's a good time it's good audio hope you guys enjoy it otherwise i will be back next week for another dynamite review and next tuesday for another live recording of the mr warren hayes show so I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you for being here. I'll see you next time.